to the NBA Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Lawson. You can follow me on Twitter at NBA Dynasty ADP. And if you have not already, please go visit our wonderful website, fbibasketball.com, where you can find all of my free content and the way too early 2023-2024 rankings from the legend, Adam King. We're going to be continuing to build out our draft guide in the coming weeks and months as we are only a few weeks away from the 2023 NBA draft. But today, we're focusing on something really important, and that's the first industry dynasty mock draft of this offseason. And we brought in some absolute legends and heavy hitters. Now, today, the biggest thing about this mock draft is not just that it includes players that you know and love uh, who are already in the NBA, but it's the first mock draft for, for Dynasty that I'm aware of that has integrated the 2023 rookies into it. That's right. Victor Wembenyama, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, all of the 2023 NBA draft class is included in the pool to be drafted along with the veterans. And this is really going to give us an idea of where some of the brightest minds in the fantasy industry view the 2023 NBA draft class and how they're going to fit into the dynasty and fantasy landscape this upcoming season and beyond. If you're interested in how I value those players, we're going to get into that today. We're going to get into that in the next show when we cover more of the picks that have been made in this mock draft. But you can find it all on my website at patreon.com slash NBA Dynasty ADP, where you can find my 2023 NBA Draft Big Board, where I include all of my fantasy projections and rankings for this 2023 class. And you can also find my end of premium end-of-the-season dynasty rankings that rank the top prospects from the 2023 class among the veterans. Now, with that in mind, let's get straight into this. Let's talk Let's talk a little bit about this mock draft that just started yesterday uh, that brought in some of the top analysts, analysts in the fantasy industry um, and some of the top dynasty analysts all together to be able to do a 12-team dynasty mock draft. Looking here, we did a random draft order to be able to start out. And again, this is meant to uh, simulate a dynasty startup. So we're talking about a 12-team draft, nine-category, head-to-head, with the idea that you're drafting a team for a dynasty league that will begin this season, the 2023-2024 season, and continue onward. So you're going to see all different kinds of strategies, teams who are going to draft a win now, teams who are going to be looking to start a little bit younger, maybe uh, be rebuilding tanking in the first season, maybe somewhere in between a tween, a middle strategy to be able to be somewhat competitive, uh, but also to give yourself some optionality coming out of the draft to be able to trade into a more win now team or to be in a rebuilding scenario early on in that first season. The list of analysts involved is uh, star studded. Um, and we'll go through this draft order one through 12 to be able to give you an idea of who's involved. Number one, Harley Scotland at Harlos underscore on Twitter. Harley is doing a fantastic job with his punting losses uh, podcast, which focuses on prospects in the, in the draft class. Uh, make sure to check that out on your podcast platform of choice. And number two, Mitch Casey, uh, who you likely know from the Ball Boys Fantasy podcast, uh, his YouTube channel, and also available on all podcast platforms. Mitch came in at number two. Of course, the legend Josh Lloyd at Red Rock underscore B-Ball. You all know him well from the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast and Basketball Monster. And number four, Jason from Dynasty Basketball Central at DBC Jason, who uh, has been putting out free Dynasty rankings, rookie rankings on his website. Make sure if you do not already, you need to follow Jason at DBC Jason. Number five, the dynasty legend himself, Rhett Bauer at Rhett underscore Bauer, Rhett of Sports Ethos. and someone who's been doing dynasty rankings about as long as I have. Um, Rhett is at number five in this mock draft. Number six, a newcomer to the dynasty analyst streets, junk time at underscore junk time on Twitter uh, at number six. Number seven, Adam King, of course, of Fantasy Basketball International, the Balls Deep podcast here on this Fantasy Basketball International podcast network. You can follow Adam at Adam King 91. And number eight, Matt Smith uh, at S-Man Sports on Twitter uh, from Basketball Monster. 
Number nine, Brendan Woodward, my co-founder at Fantasy Basketball International. You can follow him at Hidden Upside, also known as B-Dub. And number 10, NBA Dynasty Prospects on Twitter. His tag is at OpsWatching. Some really great Twitter content specifically focused on uh, Dynasty Prospects and Rookies. Number 11, Alex Reclean at, at Reclean. Alex uh, provides content for multiple uh, websites, is one of the top fantasy analysts in the game. Uh, true pleasure to be able to have Alex involved with this one. And coming in at number 12, yours truly. Yes, I got the last pick in my own mock draft. Further proof that there uh, were, was no uh, underhanded dealings in creating this draft order. It was truly random from Fantrax. And I ended up at number 12. Now, this is a snake draft, but it is with a third round reversal, meaning that I had the opportunity, uh, instead of it snaking at the end of the second round into the third round, the order reversed back to the same order as the start of the second round. So you'll see as we're going through this, I had the 12th and 13th picks, but I was able to come back and have the 25th pick, which I do recommend for you know, almost any dynasty startup because of how much value is at the top of the round as opposed to the back end of the draft order um, in the first round. It helps even out and create more parity, especially if you're in a 30 team, some of these deeper 20, 24 team leagues, you have to have a third round reversal to be able to fairly uh, give value to teams that are at the back of that draft order, just because the teams at the top are going to get that star player at the top that's going to give them so much more opportunity to be able to win early on and as the league develops. So with that draft order in place, let's get straight into it, because I think there's some really fascinating picks here, and I want to be able to discuss them as much as we possibly can. And number one overall, Harley Scotland at Harlos underscore on Twitter, took the legend Nikola Jokic. Jokic is in the midst of an epic uh, NBA playoffs run, taking the Nuggets to the NBA Finals and cementing himself, I believe, as the best player in the NBA. Uh, But if you've been playing fantasy basketball for the last few years, you already thought of Jokic as this player because fantasy often is a precursor to what we find out in reality. Jokic's dominance might not have been appreciated uh, beyond to the level that it should have been uh, for beyond people in fantasy basketball who are focused on advanced statistics. Uh, But the world is now seeing that when given a proper supporting cast around him, a healthy Nuggets team, a good cast of role players uh, beyond Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., in the form of Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown. This team has everything it needs to be able to win a championship because it is driven by one of the best players that we've ever seen play the game in Nikola Jokic. Jokic in Dynasty, I think, is a lock number one pick. And Harley Scotland absolutely made the correct choice here because despite being 28 years old, which is right in the middle of his prime, I don't think you can look at Jokic and think anything other than this guy might have another 10 years of elite fantasy production because there's nothing about his game that tells us that he's going to decline because of reduced athleticism. Jokic already plays a game that's essentially below the rim that isn't based on fast twitch athleticism. So any loss in those areas isn't going to really change his game. Uh, and is already going to be able to continue to play kind of an old man style game for years into the future. As you're looking at it here on YouTube, what I've laid out uh, for each of these prospects uh, is their age, my dynasty ranking for them, their preseason dynasty ADP, uh, their dynasty rankings average for uh, where they rank across all available dynasty rankings in the industry space, and my projected peak stat set for them, which we'll talk a little bit about for each of these prospects. Now, Jokic uh, is my number one dynasty uh, player. He's number one in my rankings, and that's for categories rankings. And for points, I would have Luka at number one because the points production between them is very close, and Luka is obviously four years younger. But when we're talking about uh, Jokic, we're talking about a player who has been near the top of both Dynasty ADP and Dynasty rankings now for well over a year, and I don't see any change in that coming soon. His average across industry Dynasty rankings is 1.0. Everyone has him at number one. And it's because of that projected peak stats at which he's already living right now. We're not waiting for Nikola Jokic to develop. We've already been in his prime. He's been the number one player in fantasy for the last three years. And I think we have every reason, despite the fact that Joel Embiid closed that gap a little bit last year, to be able to think that Jokic will continue the production level that he has been at uh, into years going forward. Uh, This is a player who is 
the elite near the top of the league in contributions in field goal percentage, rebounds and assists, um, elite in points, strong contributions and steals of free throw percentage. And he doesn't hurt you in three-pointers or blocks. So it's truly a, a near-perfect fantasy stat set. I think it will continue to be for years to come. And I'm comfortably taking Jokic at number one in any dynasty categories draft uh, where I have the number one pick. Coming in at number two is Luka Doncic. Mitch Casey of the Ball Boys Fantasy Podcast took Luka at number two. And, and this is pretty much a consensus pick as well. I think uh, you'll see Luka go number two in almost all categories drafts, uh, especially head-to-head categories, where you don't have to worry as much about his free throw percentage dragging down your team's overall ability to win. And Luca is now 24 years old. He is, I think, arguably going to be entering his prime this year. Um, but if you watched him this past year, it was hard to argue that he wasn't already there. Until the Mavericks season kind of went under, Luca was a top contender for MVP. He did make improvements uh, statistically this past year in his fantasy production. And you see that in how he's valued. His preseason dynasty ADP from back in October, 1.9. This is where people have had him. Uh, and everyone in the industry has him at number two in categories dynasty rankings. The projected peak stat set for Luca is elite. And really the only blemish is that free throw percentage because he's going to be an elite contributor in points and assists. He'll be near the top of the league in both of those categories across his prime, going to be a great contributor in three-pointers, rebounds, and steals. Um, and I think you're even seeing now that he's uh, been able to push his field goal percentage into levels where he can be a positive contributor there. The real issue, of course, is the free throw percentage in categories leagues. Uh, but again, for fantasy and categories leagues, I'm focusing more on where you win, where you're making elite contribution rather than where you are uh, taking away from my category production. I don't mind that Lucas free throw percentage is going to hurt him. And I don't think you even need to punt because of it, because from week to week, there's going to be variance in free throw percentage where some weeks Luca will be fine. Some weeks will be great. And you don't need to necessarily build your entire team around Luca's poor free throw percentage and decide that you're not going to care about that category. On top of that, there still is the possibility, even though every year I think there's less and less of a possibility that Luca is going to, uh, improve his physical shape. He's going to get in, in, develop better physical stamina and endurance. That's going to put him in the position to be able to have his legs a little bit better throughout an NBA game. And I think improve his free throw percentage. It's not like this guy has poor touch. Um, I think that he can be a better free throw shooter than he is, but we're we're getting to a point where that seems less and less likely every year that goes by where it does not happen. But we maybe still haven't seen that season where Luca truly is in the best shape of his life. If that does happen, maybe we see an improvement in the free throw percentage. But regardless, he's one of the most valuable players in fantasy basketball and dynasty. So with those two picks in the books, Josh Lloyd was on the clock and he did it. He took Victor Wembanyama at number three overall. This is a selection that I completely agree with. Uh, as you can see here on YouTube, my dynasty ranking for Victor is at number three. You can find those premium dynasty rankings with rookies included on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash NBA dynasty ADP. And I get it. This seems like a lot to put on a guy who has never played an NBA game. He just turned 19 earlier this year. Uh, but Victor Wembanyama's ceiling is this high, and I think his floor in fantasy is extremely high, which is why I'm comfortable having him at number three in my dynasty rankings and why I'd imagine Josh was comfor comfortable taking him at number three in this mock draft. Victor is looking like a player who's going to be an elite contributor in points, rebounds, and blocks, and that's extraordinarily rare. Very, very few players who are elite in blocks are also going to give you elite points contributions. Anthony Davis, probably one of the closest uh, to that that we have in the league right now. Maybe Jaron Jackson can get to that point, but we haven't seen the scoring quite reach those levels yet. And even Davis really hasn't been a guy who's challenged for scoring titles, even at his highest levels uh, in New Orleans. So what we're looking at with Wembenyama is a stat set without really any real weaknesses. Um, he's going to be solid in field goal percentage because of his ability to be able to score around the rim. Even if he is taking a high volume of threes, I think eventually he's going to develop into a positive contributor there. And this is an even this is even a conservative projection when it comes to his three-point shooting because the volume of three-point shooting this past season um, in the French League was not 
as high as you'd like to see to project him out to be an elite three-point shooter in the long run. And his three-point percentage also in the very low 30s, high 20s through stretches of the season doesn't necessarily make you think he'll be an elite contributor there. Uh, there are indicators that he could become a great three-point shooter. Number one, he's taking shots off the dribble uh, from three, which at his size and age is a really strong indicator. The volume of threes increased dramatically this year, which is a great indicator for long-term strength in that category. But most importantly, it's the free throw percentage. Uh, shooting well above 80% from the line in the second half of his season, getting up near 85% from the line, uh, it just shows incredible uh, touch and shooting mechanics that are replicable uh, from shot to shot that are consistent. That makes me think that he can be a really strong three-point shooter in the long term. And he already has the confidence to be able to take those shots. If that bumps up, we could see a player who's number one in fantasy across his prime year after year. Because the blocks, averaging three blocks a game in a season this year, if he gets to that level and is a strong offensive contributor, a strong rebounder, uh, strong percentages, the the ceiling in both points and categories leagues is as high as possible. And that's why if you wanted to make the argument of taking Victor over Luka Doncic, I could see that. I don't know if I could take him over Jokic just because of what you're going immediately going to be getting from Jokic and how long I project Jokic's prime to last, as we just discussed. But Victor is in that conversation despite never playing in the NBA. And with the Spurs, I think he's going to have that full runway to be able to uh, live up to his fantasy potential as early as possible. Could easily see him having top 25 value this season in categories leagues, uh, and he's only going to rise from there. So I think this is exactly the selection I would have made at number three and a great selection by Josh Lloyd. And number four, Jason from Dynasty Basketball Central uh, took Tyrese Halliburton. Um, and this is the next tier for me of players in Dynasty drafts. I have Halliburton in this next tier. As you can see, my Dynasty ranking for him is at number six, but you could easily make an argument for him at number four as well. Uh, I have no problem with it because he's going to be near the league lead in assists across his prime, and he doesn't specifically hurt you in any category beyond being a little bit of a below average rebounder. But given the minutes he's likely to play across his prime, even that category could even out to be somewhere around average with time. Uh, he's going to be an elite contributor in points and threes and steals as well. The free throw percentage is strong and the turnovers are not nearly at the level that you would expect for someone who gets as many assists as he does. So there's really nothing not to like about Halliburton 23 years old. He's got all the potential in the world to be able to continue what he has been doing in his career across a long prime with the Pacers. The Pacers are going to be in a position where he, I think is going to be playing a ton of games to be able to push them uh, toward playoff contention, playoff seating as they continue to develop the core around him. I don't have injury concerns with Halliburton. There's really nothing uh, that detracts me from investing in him as a count foundational cornerstone piece for my dynasty core. And the industry agrees. Uh, his industry average ranking is at 4.8, uh, right around where I have him at number six, right around where Jason took him at number four. This is a player that you consider in that top five range, uh, and I have no qualms with the selection at all. And number five, Rhett Bauer of Sports Ethos took LaMelo Ball. LaMelo is my number four in Dynasty rankings. And as I said, he's in that same tier with Halliburton. 21.8 uh, years old, have turned 22 before this upcoming season. And, and what a difficult season it was. And I think this is part of the reason that you've seen uh, LaMelo maybe fall slightly from where his preseason ADP was or he's locked in as either the at the number three selection in most Dynasty drafts and ADP of 3.2. LaMelo, of course, lost most of the season to various ankle injuries before finally suffering an ankle fracture that led him to shut it down for the entire season and what was a lost season for the Hornets. But now they're coming back with the number two pick and presume and possibly uh, Miles Bridges returning to the rotation. There's hope that I think LaMelo can jump back into where he left off. And when he did play this year, the fantasy production was still there. His volume of threes kind of reached an absurd level. He was up there with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson when it came to per 36 three-point shooting volume. I think that LaMelo is going to have a fantastic fantasy career, regardless of who's selected at number two, whether it's Scoot Henderson, whether it's Brandon Miller, whether the Hornets trade back. Uh, LaMelo is going to cement himself as a player who can both contribute as an on-ball player, as an engine of an offense, but I also think he can be an elite off-ball player who can still contribute at elite levels for fantasy as he develops his scoring. 
We have to remember that LaMelo grew up playing next to his brother Lonzo with Lonzo being the point guard. He absolutely can play off ball. I think he can be a strong fit next to Scoot Henderson. And I think that's the pick the the Hornets should make. But regardless, LaMelo is going to be someone you continue to invest in. And we might have a buy low window on LaMelo coming into this offseason because of the Hornets potentially selecting Scoot Henderson. That could create a panic where suddenly people are looking at LaMelo as a lesser option in Dynasty and in Fantasy. I completely disagree with that assessment. And I'd be looking to buy LaMelo if there's any panic uh, for the from the team who rosters him in your Dynasty League going forward. And number six, uh, Junk Time took Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I actually have Shea at number four. Uh, he's in that same tier with LaMelo and Tyrese Halliburton, who all, I think are all elite fantasy guards who all have their full primes ahead of them. Uh, for me, the difference with Shea is really the contributions that you get in field goal percentage and free throw percentage, where he is superior to Halliburton and LaMelo in those areas. Uh, because he gets to the line so much, because his field goal percentage is so strong, because he's so good at the rim, uh, which is an area that Halliburton and Ball haven't fully developed yet and may not develop given their size. But what we saw from Shea Gilgis-Alexander this past season, I have every belief is going to continue going forward. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind that even adding in Chet Holmgren, adding in another late lottery pick, Shea is the primary option for this team for scoring. I think he's going to have the ball in his hands just as much next year. And I believe in the defensive stats that we saw this past year from Shea Gilgis-Alexander because this was something that he flashed at Kentucky that he showed in his first season with the Clippers that we saw glimpses of as he developed into the offensive player that he is now in Oklahoma City in prior seasons. And I think it's going to continue going forward because this is a scheme defensively that suits his defensive playmaking. Shea is a player who before the season, because of a injury that was going to cost him time, we believed at the beginning of the season, and just I think overall malaise with the Thunder tanking the prior two seasons and Shea missing time, dropped all the way down to a dynasty ADP of 17.3, which sounds crazy now. If you got him at that place before the season, you got an incredible value. And Shea is now the cornerstone of your team and maybe wasn't even your first round pick, depending on the size of your league. Uh, his dynasty rankings average right around where I have him at 4.3. I think, again, you could take him as early as number four. You could even make an argument, I think, of taking him over Wembenyama, even taking him over Luka. I think that's on the table. He obviously, in pure nine cat or even eight cat production, was superior to Luka this past year. Um, and you could make that argument. He really is that good. And I think he will continue to be even on a Thunder team that's going to be adding more talent in this upcoming season. So a great number six pick there by junk time. And number seven, uh, my colleague from Fantasy Basketball International, Adam King, took Cade Cunningham. And boy, I thought I was the highest on Cade Cunningham uh, in the dynasty world. But I'm not, apparently, because Adam King took him at number seven. And I see the argument for it. In fact, I think I've had Cade this high at different points in my dynasty rankings, and I haven't soured on Cade at all, despite missing this most of this past season, uh, getting a stress fracture injury uh, in his shin, finally taken care of, an injury that had bothered him going back into high school. And that's something to consider here, that Cade had been uh, hampered by this injury, limited by this injury for years prior to it, and it just kind of played through it. So we really might be seeing a whole other level of Cade Cunningham as soon as this season, and he's apparently bulked up, which is absolutely something he needed to do. He needs to be more like Luka Doncic, playing uh, a more physical style of basketball to be able to create advantage because he's not going to blow by people. He's not going to kill you with his first step, and neither does Luka. But if Cade is able to have people just kind of get, get downhill on them and ride them in with his strength, I think he's going to reach a whole nother level. He's going to finish at the rim better, and I think we're going to see that as soon as this season. Because uh, Cade is one of the best processors of basketball in the NBA, even at only 21 years old. And I think he will continue to be the primary option uh, to initiate the offense in Detroit in this upcoming season, even with the number five coming pick coming in, and even with Jaden Ivey um, as his running mate in the backcourt. Cade is going to be the primary focus of this Pistons offense going forward, as he should be. 
Taking him at number seven is obviously a bold choice for a player who hasn't reached this level of fantasy production yet, but I absolutely get it. And this is where we were taking Cade back in October in Dynasty startups. You can see his preseason Dynasty ADP was 6.7. So this is right around where Adam takes him here. Um, even though his Dynasty rankings average has fallen down to where I have him at 11.3, it's it's only because he's part of this very large tier of excellent young players who are right there uh, with you know some of the players that we're about to talk about who were selected after him, there's an easily an argument to be able to take Cade ahead of them, and that's exactly what Adam did here. I think he's a great foundational piece. Even if the field goal percentage uh, is always a slight negative for Cade, he's going to be so good in every other category, bringing you elite contributions in points, assists, and steals, strong contributions in three-pointers and rebounds, uh, and he doesn't even hurt you with his blocks despite being a guard in name. Uh, so Cade, I'm all in on him. I love the selection here. I think it's bold and it's exactly the kind of investment that could pay off with Cade. And I bet you can get him for late, later than this in your dynasty startups. I wouldn't be surprised if even in some 12 team startups, if Cade falls into the early second round or later, because we didn't see him this past year and it becomes out of sight, out of mind. There may still be opportunity to buy low on Cade, uh, because the manager who rosters him in your league might have doubts that with adding in another pick uh, in the top five this year, that maybe Cade just isn't going to have that focus in the Pistons offense going forward, that he's not going to be the focal point the way that he was in his first two seasons. I think that's all wrong. And I think you should invest with confidence into Cade Cunningham. I think a huge third season uh, is in the works. And number eight, Matt Smith of Basketball Monster took Jason Tatum. Uh, this is great value. Getting Tatum, who I have at number seven, who could easily argue as high, I think, as number three, number four in Dynasty rankings because he's so consistent. Getting him at number eight is incredible value for Matt Smith here. His preseason Dynasty ADP was 5.6. His Dynasty rankings average has actually moved up uh, to 4.5. K, uh, Jason Tatum is without a doubt one of the most consistent fantasy producers that we have. He plays in almost every single game. He has continued to be able to improve, and I think he still can improve at only 25 years old. There's no doubt that he's going to be the primary offensive engine for the Boston Celtics going forward, and he's a guy who just gives you a very smooth stat set. Other than some ups and downs in field goal percentage, he's an elite scorer, strong three-pointers, really strong rebounds, strong free-throw percentage. And the assists have continued to tick up as his playmaking has slowly improved. And I think that's an area where he could continue to prove in upcoming seasons. The defensive stats aren't great. They don't pop out, but they're okay. Um, and, you know, getting that kind of free throw percentage from a player as an anchor of your free throw percentage is huge because it gets to the line a lot, hits a ton of free throws. I love Jason Tatum. I love him in fantasy going forward. You have his full prime ahead of you, and he's such a sound investment in Dynasty uh, to be able to make as the cornerstone of your team. And number nine, uh, B-Dub, Brendan Woodward from Fantasy Basketball International takes Anthony Edwards. I love Ant. Uh, I have him right around here as well. Amazingly, he is not even 22 years old yet. He will come into the season at 22, still so young, uh, and has just showed an incredible ability and a superstar trajectory in the playoffs um, and in this past regular season, where in the second half, he really took it to another level uh, with Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns missing some time. It didn't matter whether they were in the lineup, out of the lineup, up. Anthony Edwards was carrying this Timberwolves team to the playoffs. And I think that's going to continue. And I, I think what really makes him special and separates him is not only the scoring, which he's going to be near the league lead in scoring across his prime. I think he's going to be a player who pushes above 30 points per game pretty consistently throughout his career. Uh, but he's improved his assist rate. And that steal rate has really pushed him up in fantasy. And I think could make him very special uh, because we've seen his defensive playmaking improve year after year. The minutes are going to be there for him to be an elite steals contributor. And that really pushes up players in category leagues uh, to be able to have the, that elite steal rate. And I think it's something that Anthony Edwards will continue to develop and improve as he improves his defensive feel, which has already increased exponentially from his time in Georgia. So I love him as a top 10 pick in uh, both categories and points leagues. I think you should be trying to trade for Anthony Edwards if anyone thinks, oh, well, Carl Anthony Towns is going to be back for the full season next year and, and you know maybe Ant won't be as good. I wouldn't be surprised at all if this Minnesota team is completely restructured around Anthony Edwards in the next year. Uh, he will be the uh, 
the factor that continues to be present in this lineup. He's going to be the focus, uh, the the franchise player for the Timberwolves, and I think they're going to only try to put better pieces around him to enhance his fantasy game and his statistical output. And number 10, NBA Dynasty Prospects on Twitter, at Ops Watching, took Joel Embiid. And this is kind of where Dynasty can diverge from real life or from fantasy basketball and season-long formats, and also from real life, because Embiid obviously was the MVP this year. He was the number two fantasy player uh, in categories leagues, uh, right there with Nikola Jokic. Embiid was fantastic. And the real question with Embiid is that being 29 years old with a substantial injury history, how much longer is his prime going to be? I was coming out of the season feeling great about Embiid because he had a largely healthy season, and it's felt like after the past few seasons, he really has figured out how to manage his body and maximize his games played where we aren't where we used to be, where he was maxing out at around 53, 55 games. We were getting to a level that is pretty normal for NBA superstars right now, around 65 games. Unfortunately, he suffered yet another injury in the playoffs, and it obviously hampered him. You just have to wonder how much longer he can continue to have annual injuries uh, until the cumulative effect of that is going to shorten his prime. With that said, I think we're getting at least three more elite years from Joel Embiid, and that's why I still have him at number eight in my dynasty rankings because it's really difficult to be able to project the NBA outside of the next three years. I can't tell you what's going to happen in four or five years in the NBA. And if you look back at what we thought was going to happen four or five years ago, it's nothing like what it looks like now. Five years ago, I don't think people would have told you Nikola Jokic is going to be the MVP. He was very good. He was excellent. But I don't know if they would have told you that he was going to be a two-time MVP and that he was also going to be leading this team to the NBA Finals. But here we are. And even five years ago, I don't know if we knew that Embiid was going to reach the levels that he has in his career and to be able to be in the lineup as much as he has been in the last couple seasons to be an MVP winner and contender in these last two seasons. So I am in a position now with Embiid where I think that for the next three years, you're going to be getting something very similar to what you've seen, which is a player who can contend to be the number one player in fantasy in both points and categories formats. And for that reason, I'm willing to make that investment just with the idea that I want to be a win-now team if I have Joel Embiid. I'm not waiting for my chance to win my league. I want to win my league each year for the next three years. If you take Embiid in this position around the top 10, you need to have that mindset that you need to be winning immediately with him. At number 11, Alex Reclean took Giannis Antetokounmpo. And Giannis is a player who, as you can see with his preseason dynasty ADP, taken around number four in most dynasty startups, maybe number three, even number two in some of them this past year, and has obviously fallen from grace in fantasy and in dynasty because of a season where we saw his efficiency drop, where we saw saw a decline in his defensive stats, and his free throw percentage get worse than it has been for a number of seasons after seemingly stabilizing a little bit in the years prior. With that said, I am fully comfortable taking Giannis in the top 10. I have him at number nine in my rankings, and I think he could easily make a bounce back to the levels that we saw him at in the 2021 season next year, that this past season might have just kind of been a blip caused by not having Chris Middleton around, which caused him to be in a slightly different offensive role, have a little bit more focus on his on-ball creation uh, rather than the way that they, the Bucks played with Middleton in the season prior. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Giannis bounce back in fantasy in this next season. And even if he doesn't, you still have an elite contributor in field goal percentage, points, and rebounds, still strong blocks, and you can make your team work around his free throw percentage. Even if you're having to punt free throw percentage in your dynasty team, that can still work and win a championship around Giannis. So despite his overall 9-cat and 8-cat rankings dropping outside of the top 10 this past year, I still believe in Giannis as a top 10 dynasty asset, definitely a top 10 season-long asset. I think a top five season-long asset. And I think we could see a great season and great seasons from him ahead. He's 28 years old. There are still many prime seasons left for him, maybe a shorter prime than some other players because of the nature of being a man his size uh, and depending some to some degree on explosive athleticism. But certainly, I think four or five really strong fantasy years ahead for Giannis where he's going to drive a lot of head-to-head wins. 
And number 12, it was my pick. And after having my top 11 players already off of the board, uh, I was looking at the players who I had at number 12, number 13, number 14. And I took Trey Young, who I have at number 12, who is 24 years old. And uh, I think has maybe faded a little bit in people's estimation just because his production has gotten a little bit boring to people. But this is a player who's going to be a lead in points and assists and free throw percentage, just truly drive winning those three categories by himself. Uh, and I think can improve his free throw shooting volume. That's really one of the pieces that's holding Trey back because he doesn't shoot or hit threes quite at the level that you would think based on the audacity of some of the logo threes that he takes. He isn't shooting like Steph Curry, clearly not by percentage, but also not by volume. And I think Quinn Snyder might bring that out of him. I liked what we saw from Trey in the playoffs under Snyder. I think that we could have a really elite Trey Young season coming up ahead, even with Jante Murray on this roster. Um, I'd love Trey as a dynasty investment. I think that he, at 24, coming into this next season, 25 years old, uh, just entering his prime years, is going to be a great cornerstone piece for your dynasty roster. And number 13, I decided to be able to add a complimentary piece to Trey Young uh, in the form of Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, it's been a wild ride in the last year for Jaron Jackson Jr. because a year ago, we were looking at Jaron right around the draft. It being announced that he had suffered an injury that was going to potentially hold him out coming into the season. As a result, his preseason dynasty ADP dropped all the way down to 31.6 when he had been a player selected in the 20s pretty comfortably uh, for a couple of years prior to that. Uh, and now he's a guy who even the dynasty rankings average has him a little bit higher than I do. It's at 11.8 because the blocks were truly elite this past year. He finally figured out that piece of the game completely. They were very good the year before, uh, but it went to a whole nother level this past year. And I think that's something that's replicable in upcoming seasons. He is going to come into the season at age 24. I think that in the next couple of years, we could see blocks right at the same level that they were this past season. And we also saw some really nice strides from him when John Morant was out in his scoring. There were some stretches where Morant was on suspension, where Jaron Jackson Jr. showed another level um, as a, an offensive engine, as a guy who could get baskets, create shots for himself. I'm really intrigued by that, especially with so much uncertainty with Morant for this upcoming season with a potential suspension looming. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. has additional levels that he has not reached in his real life and fantasy game. Um, but regardless, the floor is so high because of those blocks and categories leagues that he's going to be a player who's giving you a round top 15 production, even if he doesn't reach those next heights uh, as a scorer. I think that Jaron is going to be an Excellent, excellent piece for your dynasty league because with a competent team and blocks around him, he's going to drive winning in that category by himself. And number 14, Alex Rickling came back on the turn to take Evan Mobley. And Mobley is a guy who I think is the conversation is very similar to Jaron Jackson Jr. And the question is, what heights can his offensive game eventually reach? We've seen him in his first two seasons have an extremely high floor as a fantasy player because you're getting elite block contributions, uh, solid field goal percentage and rebounds. Uh, he showed some improved scoring ability late in the regular season, but in the playoffs, we kind of saw his offensive game plateau or even crater against the New York Knicks. I think he's going to get a lot better a lot, uh, very quickly in his NBA career. I think there could be an absolutely huge leap from Evan Mobley in this upcoming season where he makes that step forward to be a 20-plus point-per-game scorer, even on a team with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. But I still have some doubts. And because of the free throw percentage, which holds him back a little bit as a fantasy player, and we didn't really see big improvement or any improvement on this past season – I have him at a dynasty ranking of number 18. I would not take him quite this high. There's a few guys that I would take him ahead of, but it's close. They're, they're in a similar tier for me. Uh, and I know the upside is there. I think the floor is very high considering he's already kind of a top 50-ish fantasy producer in this current iteration of his game. I think that there are levels that he can reach, but I don't know if we're necessarily going to get those 90th, 100th percentile outcomes from Evan Mobley where he all of a sudden becomes a star offensive player to add on to being one of the best defensive players in the NBA. And number, at number 16, uh, excuse me, at number 15, NBA Dynasty Prospects at Ops Watching on Twitter took Darius Garland, Evan Mobley's teammate, 
I love Darius Garland. I have him at number 14 in my dynasty rankings. His dynasty ranking average is at number 15. This is around where he was taken all the way back in October during dynasty startups. And despite adding Donovan Mitchell, despite having a little bit of regression in his fantasy game, it's difficult to look at a player who's 23 years old like this and not see uh, an elite prime ahead and even better fantasy years ahead for Darius Garland because he is going to be near the league lead and assists going forward. I think he's going to be an elite contributor there. Uh, but you're also getting some a stats that's kind of similar to what you get from Trey Young, where it's points, threes, free throw percentage. And he brings an actually solid steal rate to the table, which you don't necessarily get from Trey. So I love Garland. I think that this could be a nice buy low moment for him in some leagues because people think that Mitchell is going to be holding him back. I don't see it that way. I think Garland is going to continue uh, on the trajectory that he's been on. I think he'll improve in this upcoming season on what we saw in the 2022-2023 season. And I'd be fully willing to invest in him as a top 15 pick as occurred here. At number 16, and I love this, B-Dub took Chet Holmgren. And yes, Chet Holmgren has not played an NBA game yet. We got a glimpse of him in Summer League. Uh, before, And then he was gone after getting a foot injury. Uh, LeBron James stepping on his foot in a pickup game out in Seattle. It was sad not to have Chet Holmgren in the league this year because I think he would have had an awesome season for the Thunder. I think he would have pushed them into the playoffs unquestionably. And he's just such a great fit for what the Thunder need. They need that rim protection. And it's going to push them into being an elite defense in this upcoming season. I think Chet is going to make Oklahoma City a at least at least a playoff team. And I could easily could see them pushing up to be a top five, top four seed uh, based on how good this team was this past season and adding in an elite defensive anchor like Chet Holmgren. And I get it. If you're watching on YouTube, you see the goofy picture of the guy. He doesn't look like NBA, any NBA superstar you've ever seen before. But that's exactly why he might be underrated in your dynasty league because this fantasy stat set is truly awesome. He's going to bring you those big man stats. And like Evan Mobley and Jaron Jackson, I think the blocks are going to be elite. But the field goal percentage is going to be really strong. He's dominant around the rim. He's dominant defending the rim. He's dominant scoring at the rim. He can finish with both hands. He's a crafty finisher. And he finishes with strength. Despite being thin, Chet Holmgren has that dog in him. He is tough. This kid fights. And he's had to fight his entire career and despite looking at him and thinking this looks like the guy that I played in in youth basketball who was forced to play by his parents he hated it he was soft there's nothing soft about Chet Holmgren Chet Holmgren is going to be a really really good NBA player in real life this season and you saw that at Gonzaga, where he was a superstar role player, taking a backseat on offense to Julian Strother and Drew Timmy and Andrew Nemhard. He wasn't there to, to score, but he immediately accepted his role as the defensive anchor of that team. And he's one, one of the best, if not the best defensive players in the country in his freshman year. Now, Chet in this upcoming season is going to start immediately. He's going to play big minutes immediately. I'm not worried about injuries. That What he ha had happened to him was a freak injury that can happen to anyone, whether their foot is large, small, fat, or skinny. That just happens in basketball. But beyond that, Chet Holmgren has had no serious injuries in his career. And to those saying, oh, well, he's, he's going to get broken in half. That's not how the NBA works. It's not played in the post. It's not banging bodies down low. And that might not even be something that, that he's going to be doing offensively because this is a guy who can play on the perimeter, who actually has a handle, can create his own shot, get to his shot in the mid-range, things that he didn't really get to show at Gonzaga. But if you go back, go look at that summer league uh, highlight package and you start to see the outline of the player that we saw coming up in Minnesota high school basketball in Chet Holmgren and you can see why we're so excited I think he's going to be incredible for the Thunder I love this investment at him at number 16 I have him at number 16 in my dynasty rankings and if there's any way that in your league Chet Holmgren isn't uh, rostered by someone who absolutely loves him make that inquiry go get him before the season starts because you're never going to get him cheaper than you're getting him right now and number 17, Matt Smith, after uh, getting a nice value play in Jason Tatum in the first round, uh, comes back around to get De'Aaron Fox. Now, this is a pick that I think you might see Fox possibly go this high in season-long leagues last year just because he made such a great impression. Obviously, he wasn't there in uh, eight or nine-cap rankings, uh, 
Um, and he isn't there in dynasty rankings. The dynasty rankings average for Fox has him at 34.8. So significantly lower than where Matt Smith took him here. But I can see the argument for it, even if I have Fox down at number 38 in my rankings because of the holes in his fantasy game. Uh, and this is a strategic idea that if you're going to be selecting players early in a dynasty startup, you want to get elite contributors in points and assists. Points and assists are crucial to be able to get in early rounds because they dry up quicker than any other fantasy category. You can get other fantasy categories later on in your dynasty startup draft, in your season-long draft. But if you don't get points and assists early on, especially young players who can contribute in points and assists, they're going to be gone after a few rounds. And that demand is likely and I'll have to ask him about it, but I think that's why Matt Smith took De'Aaron Fox here. And also the improvement that we saw in Fox's game, the way that he played in the playoffs, there is no doubt now, and there was a year ago, there was some doubt whether Fox could continue to be the primary option on a good team. And he proved that he could be this year. I have no doubt that that's going to continue going forward. I love Fox as a finest, uh, as a uh, long-term piece in fantasy, even if I'm not as high as Matt is, and I understand the idea behind it here. I think that Darren is going to have a great prime that looks a lot like what his season was last year, and he may even find more consistency, uh, which has really been the only thing that's hampered him. We've had so many great stretches of seasons from De'Aaron Fox, and he's never quite put it all together into one season. I think that could be possible next year. And number 18, and, and whoa, this is a big one. Adam King, after taking Cade Cunningham in the first round, comes back on the other side and takes another guy who missed most of the past season in Zion Williamson. I love the bravery of this pick. Because I want to believe that Zion is going to reach these levels. I think we saw in this past year that he can be this kind of fantasy player. After there being knocks on his fantasy game, all of a sudden we saw the defensive stats smooth out and start to improve. The way that we saw them be elite in college may never happen, but all of a sudden Zion was getting better defensive stats. He was already one of the best, if not the best, field goal percentage contributors in the NBA. Uh, an elite scorer during the stretch before he got hurt. I mean, there was MVP discussion around Zion as the Pelicans were just stacking wins behind Zion leading them. And even if the shooting never gets there, if he's going to improve the way that he did in both rebounding assists and steals last year, which were areas where he was middling before, that player, if healthy, can be a guy that is warranted taking maybe even higher than number 18 in a dynasty draft. And if you're in a points league, this is an area where you definitely could consider him because you don't have to worry about that free throw percentage the same way that you do in a categories league. I just don't know what to make about Zion long-term uh, for his health. It is going to take a change in the way that he prepares his body for an NBA season uh, because we've seen when he gets these injuries, and they, they have been significant, he's just not able to recover uh, to be able to be on the shorter end of some of the recovery timelines that we see for NBA players. And injuries are going to happen. So I, I'm I'm going to have to give a lot of thought of this in the offseason where I have Zion. I have him at number 33 now, which it feels a little bit like a cop-out because you should either be all in or all out. I feel like I'm sitting on the fence a little bit with, with him because I love what we saw in the improvement in his fantasy game. Uh, but at this point, four seasons deep, it's very difficult to have the confidence to be able to say this is a guy who's going to play enough games every year, year after year, to anchor your fantasy team. Um, I'm going to, you know what? I think what we'll do, I think we'll, I'm going to get Adam King on the show. We're going to talk through this because um, I think Zion is one of the most interesting players in dynasty. We're going to go ISO on Zion in an up, upcoming episode this off season, because I think this was an absolutely fascinating pick by Adam. All right, moving on to number 19 junk time comes back, taking Carl Anthony towns. And if you remember junk time took Shea Gilgis Alexander in the first round uh, who was a guy who was completely undervalued in dynasty drafts this past season. We see kind of the opposite with Carl Anthony Towns, who was taken really high uh, in preseason startups. He was actually much higher than this even a year before. A guy who was taken regularly in the top five of dynasty drafts. Uh, he was at a dynasty ADP of 10.6 back in October. 
I currently have him at number 17. He's 27 years old. Uh, the dynasty rankings average for Carl Anthony Towns is at 15.8. So similar to where I have him. So this is nice value to be able to get Cat, who despite all of the narrative around him um, about his trouble staying healthy in the last few seasons after being the NBA's Iron Man, um, toward people questioning his value toward winning, whether he's going to be on the Timberwolves long term, He's a really good fantasy player, and I think he's going to continue to be. Even if he, the Timberwolves bring back substantially the same roster next year, I think Cat is going to be great. Um, and you saw it this past season when he played, especially once he kind of sh- shook off some of the rust. He's still going to be a really strong contributor across the board without any real category weaknesses. And if he does get on a team where he's the center again, where he's not dealing with Rudy Gobert, I think you can see that rebound rate come back up, and he could push up to the levels that he was in fantasy before. So I'm all on board with taking Cat in the teens. I think it's a great investment. There's a good chance that he does get into a better fantasy situation going forward. Um, So I think you can invest in him with confidence. Even if he does stay in Minnesota, you're still going to have a player who's going to likely give you top 20-ish fantasy seasons uh, without hurting you in any categories. And that's extremely valuable for a guy who's only 27 years old. The next pick uh, at number 20 from Rhett Bauer, uh, Rhett obviously took LaMelo Ball in the first round, comes back with another guard uh, in Donovan Mitchell in the second round. And this is interesting because Mitchell fell here a little bit more than I expected. Um, I have him at number 15 in my dynasty rankings. His rankings average is at 14.8. Mitchell had an outstanding season for the Cavaliers that seems like will probably be duplicated next year. And at uh, only 26 years old, going into his age 27 season next year, it's easy to see him doing this for at least another three, four, five years uh, at this level, even in, if it's in Cleveland. With that said, I think we've seen Mitchell not be at this level before. And maybe there's some reason for concern that I'm not properly evaluating to be able to say, well, you know, if that steal rate drops down again, he's not really quite that top 20 player. Uh, maybe he's not going to hit threes quite at the volume that he did this past year, which really was an improvement uh, for Donovan Mitchell. And that's going to drop him down a little bit. With that said, I'm comfortable taking Mitchell absolutely at number 20. And I think you could even take him a little bit higher because again, you need to be able to get players who are going to give you elite scoring contributions early on. And it's really nice that he's a player who can help you in assists and steals as well. And really strong free throw percentage. Uh, These are all anchors of any kind of nine cat roster and i think mitchell is a really good investment for that reason i don't see his role changing in cleveland in the in the upcoming seasons and even if he moves on to a new team after his current contract is over i think he'll play a similar role on whatever team that is and number 21 jason after taking tyrese halliburton in the first round came back to take devin booker and just like mitchell this felt like a guy who probably should have gone maybe even a little bit higher uh booker is number 17 in my rankings he's somehow only 26 years old. It feels like he's been in the NBA forever, but he came in as a teenager. Um, And the dynasty rankings average has him even higher at 14.8. He was taken around this range at 15.3 in October, 2022 startups. And Booker proved me wrong during this season because I thought after Kevin Durant came in that Booker was going to take a back seat. Obviously, Durant got hurt right away. But even when Durant was back, we saw another another level from Devin Booker in the playoffs with Kevin Durant in the lineup where he was the best player on the court in those playoff games for the Suns, at least the best son in those games. He obviously got outplayed in the Nuggets series, but... I think it was understandable given what we've now seen from the Nuggets. Devin Booker is going to put up a huge season in the 2023-2024 calendar year. I think that we could see an even bigger leap from him if the Suns do move on from uh, Chris Paul because we could see more playmaking from Booker. But regardless, I think he's going to have maybe one of his best fantasy seasons coming up. A guy that I'm very comfortable in taking um, in either the middle, uh, in the, the mid-teens, uh, taking him uh, as high, I think even as 15 is fine. Uh, and you can make an argument for higher because this is a player who showed in a completely another level in the playoffs that I think can, can, can continue into the upcoming season. So for Jason to be able to pair Halliburton and Booker, uh, an incredible start that I think sets you up for years of winning in a head-to-head categories league. And number 22, Josh Lloyd, after taking Victor Weminyama at number three, came back 
with Paulo Boncaro. Uh, what an incredible young scoring duo those two are going to be. And you can kind of see how taking Paulo and Victor together fits together well uh, because Paulo's fantasy game hasn't fully developed yet, but his weaknesses are often strengths for Wembenyama, whether it's the fact that Wembenyama is a strong free throw shooter, who I think is going to be a positive contributor there. And that's a deficiency for Paulo. Uh, Victor is going to be strong in blocks, whereas I, we, we didn't see that block rate really develop for Paulo this past season. And you're going to see, I think, Paulo in the long run develop a lot as a playmaker. I think he showed at lower levels before uh, playing at Duke that when he had the ball in his hands a lot, he was a really good passer. I think that's in him. I think as he develops as a pick and roll operator, he's going to develop into a really good passer who is a stronger contributor in assists than we saw in this past season. We saw his rebound rate fluctuate a lot through the year. He did talk and also his three point shooting. We, uh, we've heard Paulo talk about the fact uh, that I believe he had a, a neck injury that really limited him in February when his three-point percentage absolutely cratered. Uh, I think it hurt him statistically throughout the season, and I, I think it's a reason to be able to give him a little bit of a free pass on some of those struggles that we saw in the middle of the year uh, because he came back strong by the end of the season and showed a lot of that player that we saw in the first half who was so dominant. Uh, but this is a guy who gets to the rim at will, uh, drawing a ton of fouls as a rookie, scoring a ton of points. They're all great indicators uh, for a superstar trajectory. Even though the fantasy game is lacking at the moment, I think there's a lot of indicators that it's going to improve dramatically this upcoming season and the season beyond. I love the fit with Victor as a top two duo for the long term. And I think this was a strong selection, even if I have Paulo a little bit lower than this, because I have some of these, uh, some of the older players uh, that we'll talk about uh, a little bit ahead of him for win now production. I can definitely see how Paulo can get to these, these, this level going forward and can be a strong foundational piece for your dynasty roster. And number 23, Mitch Casey, after taking Luka Doncic in the first round, came comes back with a complimentary piece in Bam Adebayo. Uh, Bam is just consistent. And maybe he's never going to become the scorer that we hope for him to be, but he's certainly going to be a strong contributor in field goal percentage and rebounds um, and, and, and can still be a player who's a really strong contributor in assists. And that's the missing piece. We saw that earlier in his career when a lot of the offense ran through BAM. They've moved away from that more recently, but you could easily see future iterations of the Heat leaning on BAM's playmaking and passing more in the future and him improving in his assist rate again. I have Bam at number 20 in my rankings, um, and his he's been taken around there for a while. He's a guy who's kind of giving you that steady top 30 production. I think that can improve as you know we're going to be entering this age 26 season. We still probably haven't seen his best fantasy season uh, yet, and I, I just think of him as someone that I can depend on year after year, plays in a ton of games. You know what you're getting from him, and I really like him here as a pairing with Luka Doncic. At number 24, Harley Scott, Scotland came back at uh, with the, the final pick of the second round to take Mikhail Bridges. Bridges is uh, entering his age 27 season, and we saw a whole nother level from him when he came over to the Brooklyn Nets in the trade for Kevin Durant. Bridges, as the number one option for the Nets, showed a scoring ability that we hadn't seen in Phoenix, even when some of their star players were out. And I think it's something that he's going to be able to do in this upcoming season, assuming that he's still on the nets. And that's kind of the big question. How long are the Brooklyn nets going to have Mikhail Bridges as their top option? And if he's traded, is he being traded into a situation? I think likely where he's the number two option. If that's the case, Bridges is still going to be a really good fantasy player. And the only reason that, I have him at number 31, while Dynasty Rankings averages have him at around 34. Uh, while we don't have him quite at this level of taking him at the 24th overall selection, I think is that doubt about that the levels that he was able to reach as the primary option in Brooklyn are going to continue season after season going forward, that we might see some regression to him being a number two option. And what does that look like for fantasy? Because in this past year, while we saw his scoring increase dramatically with Brooklyn, uh, some really hot shooting for stretches of that, we saw his steal rate drop, the amount of blocks drop, and the assist rate not really rise to the level that you would think of a larger usage player. 
Bridges has improved so much in his NBA career already, so I'm not going to hold it back that he could do it further. But there's some reason to pause to think that he's going to be able to play at a top 20 level going forward. That might happen in this upcoming season. I would have no problem probably taking Bridges around number 24 if Brooklyn's roster uh, maintains at what it is right now into this upcoming season. I think he could be a top 25 guy pretty easily, an 8-cat, 9-cat and this selection could be completely warranted from a short-term perspective. Just have some concerns about long-term, whether he's going to look like this kind of fantasy player or something a little bit closer to what we saw in Phoenix. Number 25, I came back in the third round reversal and selected Scoot Henderson. Scoot is someone that I absolutely believe in in fantasy and in real life. I think that he is the clear choice at number two in this draft, and he should be the clear choice in rookie drafts at number two. And I would take him in the top 25 in dynasty startups as I did in this mock draft. He's 19 years old and the stat set projects to be something that's similar to a De'Aaron Fox, a John Morant, uh, maybe even what we saw from Derek Rose during his prime, but with more potential as a three-point shooter, I think. Uh, we saw Scoot improve his three-point shooting volume with the G League Knight in the past two seasons compared to uh, his amateur stats before that. I think he's getting more comfortable as a three-point shooter, and that will continue to develop over time. We have to remember, we've, we haven't really seen any of the G League Ignite prospects shoot well from three. And I think it's because of the leap to the NBA three-point line, um, playing against a different level of competition. That comfort level hasn't necessarily been there for any of these Ignite prospects. And Scoot is taking threes that show confidence. And that's really what I care about with him. It's the improved volume um, and it's the ability to be able to take three-pointers off of the dribble. Uh, go watch him in the, the showcase game against Victor Wembanyama's team uh, because this is a guy who was locked into a level that we didn't see during the G League season and showed star qualities that I think warrant taking this high in dynasty drafts and taking it number two in the NBA draft uh, and where I think the Charlotte Hornets should take him. And if the Charlotte Hornets do take uh, Scoot Henderson, as we talked about earlier with LaMelo, it's not going to change my evaluation. I think that he can fit well next to LaMelo because they're in many ways very, very, very different uh, guard prospects, guard players. Uh, Scoot is a guy who can get to the rim and dunk over people at will. That is not what LaMelo Ball is. Scoot has a really developed floater game and mid-range game. He can get to get to uh, pull-up jumpers in the mid-range and hit them. Uh, that's not necessarily LaMelo's game. And obviously, LaMelo is an elite three-point shooter already in his career. Uh, that's not where Scoot is right now. And Scoot's mentality is more as a scorer, even though he's going to be an elite assist contributor as well because he's a very strong passer, really good in the pick and roll. Um, he has more of an, a scorer-first mentality that LaMelo does not have. And I think that the combination of the two of them can and will work if that's who Charlotte takes. And if it's not, if, if he ends up somewhere else, even if he ends up with Damian Lillard, I am not worried about Scoot Henderson as a real life or dynasty prospect. I think he needs to be taken to number two in points and categories, rookie drafts, no matter what, with Victor going number one. Brandon Miller, for me, is not a consideration at number two. It has to be Scoot. And for me, Scoot should go as high um, as the early 20s in dynasty startups this offseason because the fantasy potential is so great. And number 26, and this is the last selection that we have so far in this dynasty mock, Alex Reclean took Jalen Williams. If you watch the first episode of this podcast, you heard me uh, preach the gospel of Jalen Williams, who I believe is an excellent long-term investment in dynasty. Uh, and let's just say that was not what people thought about Jalen Williams before this, this season. And I, I think the dynasty community was out in front on Jalen Williams. He was taken well above his season-long ADP at a preseason dynasty ADP of 125.7. The dynasty community believed in Jalen Williams as a really good long-term fantasy prospect. I just don't think any of us saw this coming. A guy who had top 30 stretches of production during the second half of the season and all of a sudden became the uh, one of the best producers of steals in the entire NBA from January 1st onward. I will say that there's a lot of people who look at Jalen Williams and say, well, well, there's there's going to be an issue with too many mouths to feed in Oklahoma City. You hear that over and over. But this was a guy who even at his peaks of production this past season was only really hovering around 21, 22% usage. He's not driven in his fantasy production by usage, by scoring. 
his contributions and scoring were solid, you know, upper teens, but there's no reason to believe even with Chet Holmgren in that lineup that he can't continue to do that. In fact, there's a lot of reason to believe that the ceiling could be even higher if Chip England is able to get Jalen Williams to be a more confident three-point shooter. He did not have strong contributions in three-pointers this past year. It was fine. He had some threes, but that isn't where his game is. He also can do a lot more with the ball in his hands as a playmaker. There's a guy who was a point guard, a big point guard at Santa Clara and has a ton of passing ability. But if the steals are going to remain at this level and given his wingspan, given his feel on the defensive side of the ball, I think they can. And given the scheme in Oklahoma City, it makes sense for him to continue to be that kind of elite steal producer. Given what he is shooting from the free throw line, I think that there's potential for him to be able to develop as a three-point shooter. I might be underestimating where I have Jalen Williams, and I have him at number 32 in my dynasty rankings after being a guy who was outside the top 100 before this season. But he continues to prove us wrong. I think he will continue to. I love this pick from Alex Raclean, the confidence in Jalen Williams. I think it will be warranted, and he's going to be a guy who is an elite fantasy contributor for a long time to come. So if you have been paying attention the whole way through, let's run through this very quickly to finish out. At number one was Nikola Jokic. Number two, Luka Doncic. At three, Victor Wembanyama. At four, Tyrese Halliburton. Five, Lamella Ball. Six, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Seven, Cade Cunningham. Eight, Jason Tatum. Nine, Anthony Edwards. Ten, Joel Embiid. Eleven, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Twelve, Trey Young. 13, Jaron Jackson Jr., 14, Evan Mobley, 15, Darius Garland, 16, Chet Holmgren, 17, De'Aaron Fox, 18, Zion Williamson, 19, Carl Anthony Towns, and number 20, Donovan Mitchell, and number 21, Devin Booker, 22, Paolo Boncaro, 23, Bam Adebayo, 24, Mikhail Bridges, 25, Scoot Henderson, and to finish this off, number 26, Jalen Williams. This dynasty mock has been really enlightening on where some of the brightest minds in fantasy view these players going into the upcoming season and seasons ahead. I'm going to bring you more content around this uh, in the coming days and weeks. I look forward to be able to talking about the rest of this mock draft, maybe in an upcoming episode. And obviously we're going to be getting quite a bit into the NBA draft in the next few weeks as we approach the draft in late June. <clears throat> if you're interested in where I have all of these players in my dynasty rankings where I have the 2023 rookie class in my dynasty rankings, check out my premium dynasty rankings at patreon.com slash NBA dynasty ADP. It really makes all the difference in the world to have so many of you uh, contributing to my Patreon, becoming Patreon subscribers, because it has put me in a position to be able to put out more and more content, justify the work that I put into doing all of this and truly make it possible. I want to thank all of you uh, for joining me on this podcast, the views, the feedback, the likes, all of it has been overwhelming. If you're watching this, please click that thumbs up on YouTube. If you're listening to this on your podcast platform of choice, give us a review, help get the message of this podcast out there. And I look forward to bringing more to them, more of them to you in the future. Thank you all for being with here with me. I have had an absolute pleasure doing the show and I can't wait to do more. See you next time. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.